Hello and welcome to another episode of the Engineers Collective, brought to you from the safety of lockdown here in the UK. As the country begins to get back to work over the next few weeks and months, we continue to send the entire civil engineering sector our best wishes in these strange and unprecedented times. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems. Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to accelerate project delivery and improve asset performance for the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure. Welcome to this latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor on New Civil Engineer and I'm joined today by our news editor Rob Horgan and we have a couple of guests lined up to look at the impact COVID-19 is having on planning public spaces specifically in relation to railway stations. Rail services and stations are normally places that you'd associate with lots of people closely packed together and rushing to get to where they need to be. The response to the pandemic has been to ask people not to use public transport in the short term. But as governments around the world start to ease lockdown, with the need for social distancing still in place, it creates a conundrum for stations. How do you gauge capacity to meet the guidance, but still keep passengers flowing throughout the stations in order to get to their train services? Pedestrian modelling seems to be the emerging answer, and here to talk to us more about it and how it's used and what the benefits are, Atkins Technical Director Cameron MacDonald, and Bentley Systems Director for Project Management and Facilities Engineering, Eduardo Lazzarotto. Cameron is based in Melbourne, where he leads the Australian Transport Planning Team for Atkins. He has nearly 30 years consultancy experience, advising on projects across Asia, Australia, UK and Middle East, as well as South Africa. With civil engineering, transport planning and human factor qualifications, and with a strong focus on pedestrian planning and railway station design, He's led specialist teams delivering planning, sizing, simulation and design inputs on more than 100 railway station and station precinct designs. His broader traffic and transport planning experiences include regional transport master planning, urban realm design, public transport strategies and walking and cycling plans. Eduardo joined Bentley as a result of the company's acquisition of Legion, where he worked as business development and operations management. Before that, he held roles in the rail industry on London Underground signalling projects and Latin America's largest rail operator, Rumo, in Brazil. Eduardo worked with Bentley's global users to ensure that open buildings products are delivered effectively, supporting projects from conceptual design through to operations and maintenance, enabling safer, cheaper and sustainable infrastructure for all stakeholders. So welcome to you both. Hello, Claire. Hello, Claire. I have to confess, I hadn't come across pedestrian modelling software until last year's Bentley Year in Infrastructure in Singapore, but it's fascinating. Before we look at how the software is helping with the COVID-19 response, could you fill us a little bit on what Bentley's Legion software does? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Claire. And uh, I, I remember uh, the last year in infrastructure and uh, we chatted a little bit about it. So um, Bentley has actually two applications, Open Buildings uh, Station Designer, that actually helps users to uh, design different types of infrastructure, not only train stations, but also uh, um, other types of buildings. And with that BIM multidisciplinary uh, platform, actually the users can also create models that later on can run um, with Legion simulator uh, simulation scenarios where the users can actually go and test different um, what-if scenarios of uh, operation in space. Thanks for that, Eduardo. Um, could you could you run us through why a client would use uh, Legion and what what it does to help them achieve? Sure, absolutely. So um, 
both uh, Open Building Station Designer and Legion um, actually can be applied in the different steps of the life cycle of an asset. So all the way from very early conceptual design stages or even planning of an operation of a space, all the way through detailed design, construction, and later on operation of that space. So we nowadays have a kind of much broader ter term, much newer definition of that, that is uh, digital twins. Um, so we like to believe that actually uh, the the joint work between the detailed design or the, the design delivered with a BIM multidisciplinary platform like Open Building Station Designer and the simulation of people movements out of space is actually one of the definitions of a digital twin. So when a user is actually designing their space, so if an architect or then later on a structural engineer or mechanical engineer are making changes to the space, uh, all those changes will actually impact in people movement, or at least the ones that are uh, objects in space that affect uh, mobility. So as they do that, that information actually feeds into a model, as well as the next step will be defining all the uh, numbers of passengers, numbers of trains, timings of operations, uh, timings of ticket gates and different parts and components of the space. And then it's very easy actually for the user to create what if uh, scenarios in the future just by defining assumptions like what happens if a train gets cancelled, what happens if there is an emergency situation and I need to evacuate my space or any other type of uh, scenarios. So how was the software developed? Did you have to look at the psychology of how people move through a space as part of the process? How are the models developed? Sure, this is a great question. So. Um, psychology is definitely a topic that we get asked about quite a lot, or behavior, as we like to say. But actually what Legion does in some of the other uh, simulation softwares in the market is actually uh, simulate or um, um, represent the way people move uh, and not necessarily the way they choose to move or the choices that they have in space. So to understand that movement of people, what we did is we went all over the world uh, to different places like stadiums, airports, train stations, and we installed cameras. And when I say all, all over the world, I mean New York, Hong Kong, London, Paris, and we installed cameras to collect uh, information about the speed that people walk, uh, how do they approach different uh, objects like stairs and escalators, how do they behave when they enter a lift? How do they behave when they are uh, facing each other or they're walking together in space? And then we processed all that information to actually create different uh, profiles inside of the software. There are actually the definitions that will help during the, the simulation process. Uh, Cameron, if we can bring you in here at this point, um, you've obviously been using the software for some time now. Um, could you talk us through how, how it was used and what it was used on before the pandemic? Sure, Rob. Yes, Atkins has had a long-standing relationship with Legion that began way back in the early 2000s when Legion came out to Hong Kong to help Atkins design the stations for the Shartin to Central Link, as it was then conceived. And it's worth noting that at that time we were considering an interchange station capable of accommodating more than 100,000 passenger movements in a single hour, which was almost unprecedented at the time. Um, it's a requirement that necessitated... Uh, we believed at the time in a dynamic planning tool. 
Um, so typically the project type would be the design of railway stations, uh, given the sheer volume of passengers and the associated operational and safety issues. But we've also successfully utilised pedestrian simulation modelling for airports, for public realm designs and also for sports stadia. So what kind of issues are you able to resolve with the software? One would appreciate that pedestrian movement is quite complex, Claire, and it's a very difficult um, to grasp the impact of a crowd movement arising from the interaction of hundreds or even thousands of individual behaviours. So there's a risk, therefore, associated with attempting to design spaces on the basis of a static calculation uh, and some comfort in designing with a proven dynamic tool. But generally speaking, there are two main outputs of the modelling. Firstly, a simulation video showing entities moving through a space according to individual destination and route preferences. And secondly, there is the application of an analysis module that integrates or interrogates uh, the simulation and produces a range of metrics that describe the performance of a venue in terms of experienced density, um, journey time, uh, delays encountered or degree of space utilisation. So obviously the coronavirus has had a, bit, a big impact on us all and, and how we use certain programmes. Um, are you two both still working from home at the moment? Yes, uh, we have been working from home for a couple of uh, months now. I was going to say weeks, but it was going to be a little bit weird. So <laughs> for a couple of months uh, already, um, we, we since very early days in Bentley, we actually stopped all of our international traveling, all of our national traveling and closed some of our offices. And we have just been working from home since then. Yes, in fact, Rob, here in Melbourne, we are facing a, a serious spike in um, case numbers and there's concern around an even more serious um, second wave of infection. So we are very much still working from home and being instructed um, to do so. Yeah. So obviously not everybody has, has the luxury in their job of being able to work from home. And, and as lockdown eases, people will start using train services more and more. Uh, what what kind of issues has coronavirus created in terms of how people use railway stations and, and how you think that will be taken forward in the future? Yes, quite. Public transport usage poses a significant dilemma because on the one hand, as you say, it's an essential service, uh, while on the other, it brings people together in close contact and poses a health risk. Um, Furthermore, as long as services are maintained with low patronage levels, it's a, an extremely expensive exercise for operators. So there's a fine balance to be struck between a requirement of passenger safety and an economic necessity of passenger throughput. The kinds of issues for station usage would include the um, actions of operators to message and regulate their social distancing protocols and also the changing behaviours of customers with the lingering threat of the virus. So what are the key differences in how you're using Legion now compared to how you did before? I think, Claire, it's important to understand firstly that the Legion model is not currently calibrated to reflect social distancing behaviour. There may be time to do that um, if it turns out that a vaccine is years away, but it would require many observations, as I'm sure Eduardo could explain, um, uh, many observations to be made and the model to be calibrated and validated across those val uh, ob observations. However, the entities within the latest version of the model can be programmed to strictly obey social distancing rules, whether that's a one metre um, separation or a two metre separation or whatever. And in this way, the modelling assumes that distancing is not 
an instinct, which is correct when you think about it. Um, as human beings, we are not innately um, programmed to keep distance. Uh, and this is why we see stickers on the floor of um, supermarkets, as an example. So to remind us constantly to go against our natural inclination to bunch up together in the name of efficient processing. So the way we can use Legion now is to reflect a strict uh, adherence to instruction and regulation. And in this way, distancing can be viewed, uh, if you like, as overcrowding in disguise, where in effect, uh, much larger entities require more space and time to be processed. The model can then usefully simulate uh, the use of waiting, circulation and queuing zones, with entities responding directly to visual cues for social distancing, which is useful, of course, in the planning of temporary queuing arrangements, as well as determining reduced station capacity and also an overall impact on uh, public transport mode share. Yes, so if I can complement and add here, Claire. So um, actually, we believe or we have seen over the past couple of decades that disruption has been accelerating over time. Uh, so not only um, disruptions like COVID now and like social distancing as a new requirement, but all the other digital and technological disruptions that we had over the years in new types of operations and new services inside of stations. So accelerating or reducing the, the headway of trains inside of stations or changing the way we collect fares in, in the space and, and even how do we get taxes and change that into a mobile app. So all those changes actually affected uh, stations operations over time. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, um, simulation powered digital twins, we believe uh, actually help uh, predicting or um, getting ready for some of those what-if scenarios. And then, of course, the stations that have um, simulations today or the digital stations of today are more resilient stations and are ready to actually reopen quicker uh, by doing so. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, obviously, you both touched on cha some changes there to, to stations. What what other kind of changes are being made to existing stations in response to coronavirus? And uh, what what changes do you think will stay with us in the long term? Well, here in Melbourne, Rob, the message from the Transport Authority is that they won't be limiting numbers of passengers on trains and trams. And it's asking everyone to plan their journey and, and not to travel unless they actually need to or really need to. Now, this message was reinforced by the Victorian Premier, who actually expressed some disappointment last weekend at growing public transport usage data. Uh, nevertheless, changes include uh, increased cleaning of stations with focus on places passengers spend the most time, uh, cleaning high-touch surfaces like next stop buttons, door handles, touch points, handrails, etc., and also the installation of touchless hand sanitising stations. And then, of course, there's the messaging at stations around practising good hygiene and keeping one's distance. So how can Legion help train operators understand these challenges? Yes, so Legion can be used on the one hand to ascertain the extent of proximity breaches within an existing layout for normal behaviour um, and also perhaps more usefully to test um, different queuing arrangements and unidirectional flow arrangements to minimise face-to-face -face contact, uh, queuing arrangements for the health monitoring stations or the hand sanitising stations with as I mentioned before, the entities programmed to adhere to social distancing, um, and we do all this in an effort to maximise station throughput. 
So are, are clients looking for a faster response on modelling now than before? Our clients are always looking for a faster response, Rob, <laughs> in my experience. Um, the good news for us is that the time taken to build a model is steadily reducing. I mentioned the early work we did in Hong Kong nearly 20 years ago now, and it's interesting to reflect on how long it would take to build a model um, back in those days, many, many weeks, in fact. And the real value in modelling is the ability to inform a design in an iterative manner. So in the old days, with the modelling running well behind the design itself, um, its ability to influence a design was actually limited. Whereas these days, the model build process has, um, has been automated and shortened to the extent that designs can really undergo continuous optimization and with user comfort as the driver for design evolution rather than, dare I say it, um, architectural or engineering whims or oversights. After all, the skill of the model is not so much in the model build but in the interpretation of the model analyses. So not only is the model turnaround much faster, but the modelling resource is better utilised. So how are you working as a team on these issues while all based at home? Well, so uh, the, the has been a challenge for sure. <laughs> as we all have seen, uh, we had good days and bad days over the past uh, couple of months. But um, from the Bentley side, I would say we had actually a spike or an increase in interest in some of our tools, um, particularly around collaboration. So we have launched campaigns like Bentley Has Your Back, where we are actually making some of our software free and available for people. One of the examples is actually Legion, an open building station designer that is now free until the end of September. So different businesses can actually start to reopen, which means quite a lot of actually dem demand and requirement from some users. Uh, but on the flip side, another uh, software that we are also making available is uh, ProjectWise 365. There is actually a collaboration platform where users can actually work in projects remotely. So from our side as colleagues in Bentley, of course, we have ramped up our usage of Teams uh, and we are having quite a lot of uh, uh, online meetings and still collaborating in a lot of the projects that we work on using some of our tools as well, of course, but, um, but also working with some of Microsoft's tools. What about your Teams, Cameron? Well, home working has been a revelation for many. I'm sure I'm, I'm a little old-fashioned, Claire, so I've missed, I must admit, the routine of getting ready um, of a morning and going outside and catching the train and, and actually experiencing the buzz of the, of the CBD. But many in my team are very happy at home, it seems, um, with the time advantages associated with not having to commute. Um, my Legion modelers have actually taken home from the office their desktop computers um, so that means they are equipped now with sufficient computer power at home to run the models. So in that sense, uh, and as Eduardo has, has alluded to, with everybody getting used to Teams meetings, the physical separation has not caused us too many headaches. Do you think you'll see more of it in the future, more working from home? I, I think that is inevitable, Rob. Um, and, you know, it, it'll have wide-ranging implications as... Um, to how much people travel in the future too, which is which will impact uh, the work that I do as a transport planner. Um, no doubt, I, I think before the pandemic, employers were reluctant to let their employees uh, work from home. Um, uh, but now with us being forced into this situation, I think uh, many have seen that 
um, it can happen and it can work efficiently um, and people at home are getting used to it and you know, with increased time with the family, um, less time actually commuting um, and more flexibility around things that need to get done at home, um, no doubt um, things will change going forward. So I'm just wondering what, what impact that might have on stations as a whole, not just as transport hubs, but, you know, there's retail outlets and oversight developments um, and, and all of that. And uh, and they're now a key part of how people use stations. Um, just wondering how, how does the coronavirus affect this use of stations um, at the moment and in the future and how we can model the impact to understand the effect on financial models? Look, certainly, Rob, the funding and, and financing options around transport-oriented development are influenced by patronage and the activation of, of retail by footfall. On top of that, of course, the value of a property adjacent to a transport node is based on the propensity to travel by that node a mode of public transport. So, you know, just what is the future now of public transport usage under a lingering threat of a coronavirus? especially now that home working, as we've just talked about, has proved to be practicable uh, and community-based living has intensified. So what does this actually mean for the success of, of TOD going forward? I think this is a really, really interesting question. Um, and listen, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but they, you know, there may be increased risk now around any ventures that rely on travel demand for their success, either directly or indirectly. Of course, some of our other users around the world, other than Atkins, that of course we have been working with for a long time, but uh, Transport for London in the UK or Network Rail or SNCF in France, they have been working over the years in creating places in stations, as they call. So actually driving their planning of their stations operations by creating these uh, uh, areas or spaces where people want to go and, and spend time. Uh, and that means, of course, uh, planning for shopping spaces or different types of activities and making those spaces more livable and more enjoyable. And I, my view and my opinion is that at some point we will go back to that normal uh, and we will actually find that uh, still is one of the drivers for the future, even with uh, COVID now. But as time passes, of course, we will start to go back to pre-COVID behavior. So... Uh, it's probably what will will end up happening. So the, can the models being developed now in response, in response to the need for social distancing be evolved for future uses? Well, absolutely. So once you build what we call a base model, then you can actually, on top of that base model, you can create any what-if scenarios for the future um, and variate those uh, those scenarios hundreds or thousands of times. So... As we always tell users, uh, once that uh, that you invest time and you create that first pass of the of the space, then any changes that you make, either in infrastructure or in operations of that space, you can test them before you implement. And then, of course, that is much cheaper and much safer to do in a simulation rather than doing real life and getting all the risk. Yeah, and, and how do you think the the current pandemic will affect? the way stations are designed in the future? I suspect, Rob, it's probably too early to tell at this stage. Um, a lot is riding, I think, on when and if a vaccine will present. Uh, if it prevents, uh, presents soon, then I expect people will get back to using stations as they did pre-pandemic um, and with short memories, as, as, as we have. Um, but also, I think, in the knowledge that the world should be better prepared next time, um, um, better equipped to identify and isolate a virus before it takes hold. 
And don't forget, of course, that efforts to equip stations with more stuff, including more space to reduce passenger density, uh, will likely make them bigger and more expensive. And uh, nobody wants that, I can assure you. Of course, uh, the demand has been growing in stations all over the world. And it is not only a phenomenon of developed countries, but developing world as well. Uh, because of a, a much bigger trend, there is uh, urbanization. So the population in cities around the world has been growing very, very fast, has been accelerating, actually, uh, over the past couple of uh, couple of years. And we don't see that trend um, changing in the near future. And of course, the only sustainable transport mode in the future still will be rail. Um, and... As we see that demand increasing, of course, we will need more stations, more track, uh, more projects. Um, but the only way to deliver that uh, operation is actually by delivering it better. So making those stations more resilient to change, making them more adaptable to change and making them more responsive to whenever something like either COVID, we keep talking about COVID, but of course, there are many other changes that happen that are happening every day that we should actually be more responsive and uh, uh, more resilient to in the future. So how do you see tools like Legion evolving in the future? So part of the acquisition from Bentley, the, the, the first challenge was actually to integrate uh, pedestrian simulation into the BIM workflow. So actually bring it closer to architects, uh, engineers that are already uh, working on either very early stages of a project or in detailed design or in construction and make sure that as the architect or the designer is um, delivering each step of the design, uh, that person is also creating the base model as they go along. So pretty much saving a lot of the time that Cameron was mentioning earlier about uh, creating the model and um, all the time that it takes to create that base model we want to save all that time and let uh, planners like Cameron uh, focus on the analysis of those models later on. So that is one of the biggest advantages of uh, bringing planners and architects and designers together in the process. Yes, we attended Bentley's um, press briefing last week about their going digital in rail and Atkins too is committing to a, a digital future with ongoing investment into solutions with the potential to transform infrastructure delivery and one of these areas is digital twins whereby we can connect the virtual and physical worlds in our projects uh, to unlock value across the entire asset life cycle. And, and part of this aspiration is too, as, as um, um, Eduardo has mentioned, to embed simulation models within a digital twin at the design stage. And then as the project lives on, there is the opportunity to model any number of operational scenarios to optimise the use of that asset over its lifetime. And if I can also add, um, in that trend of um, simulating operations and simulating mobility, uh, Bentley has also announced another acquisition last year of City Labs. They have a software called Cube that also does a traffic simulation. So we actually see a future of multimodality where we can have different modes of transport like cycling or walking or uh, cars and trains actually working together and bringing that information to what we like to call a digital city or a digital twin of a smart city, as we call bringing together different, uh, different trends there. 
Yeah, so just building on that point, Eduardo, how how likely are are we to see whole transport systems in the in the new near future being modelled in this way, um, and how how far off is that from happening as a as a reality? Sure, that is a good question. So uh, at the moment, um, of course, there are some other uh, pedestrian simulation tools in the market that. Um, abstract movement of people and compare it to uh, gases or liquids. So there's a there's a, a research from Professor Helbing that actually describes how to do it. And they can run much faster than Legion can because they actually um, create or analyze flows of people rather than, as we do, uh, a microscopic each decision of each individual uh, uh, mode. So one of the concepts that we can adopt in the future is, is try to adopt more of that concept of analyzing flows rather than just individuals and their decision making. Um, at the same time, we believe that simulation has a future of uh, federating different types of models or simulations. So at the moment, for instance, Legion can also work with another traffic simulation tool uh, called Ameson Next. Uh, that is owned by Siemens. There is actually um, um, an integration where you can visualize the simulations uh, in parallel. So you can pretty much run your simulation for traffic and you can run your simulation for pedestrian movement and then you can analyze both of them together. You still don't have the responsiveness of the cars and the people movement, uh, but you can actually create different types of projects like um, Oxford Circus roundabouts in, in London or other types of projects uh, of that kind. So in terms of timeline, well, it's it's a little difficult to, to say at the moment. What we do know is that um, there is a, a, a part of it that is computational capacity and multi-threading uh, simulations, running them in the cloud and making that, uh, that run of simulations faster. And for sure, we are in the forefront of it as Bentley. We're investing quite a lot of money now in uh, pushing a lot of our solutions into the cloud and delivering services to users rather than only desktop applications. Um, but then on the on the flip side of it, uh, the whole simulation world still spends a lot of time in building models and changing models, uh, not only in, in pedestrian simulation, but also in traffic simulation. So what we are doing right now as Bentley is actually integrating those uh, changes into the BIM process. Um, so if we get the example of traffic, we are integrating uh, road design into the traffic simulation. And as we manage those two projects that in the past used to be co two completely different projects uh, uh, under the same um, umbrella or in the same system, actually, whenever a planner makes a change or wants to make a change to the design, that information can go straight, in, straight into the civil engineer or into the architect, and that change can be implemented very quickly. So would having a citywide digital twin enable different pedestrian models and traffic models be connected together too? Yes, uh, absolutely. So the, the, um, the whole idea for the future is that digital cities will actually represent different types of systems um, um, of that city. So of course, uh, we do have water, uh, energy, um, facilities and uh, other types of uh, simulation systems of, in a citywide scale. And um, that is actually, we have a very nice tool actually for simulating floods as well. And then of course, as we bring all these components of traffic simulation and people movement simulation, 
we don't uh, we do actually expect that future to happen uh, very quick of us integrating those different types of systems into this platform so so with that greater use of uh, modeling set to happen do you think that's going to change the skill set that civil engineers and the civil engineering sector will need uh in the in the sort of short and medium term future oh short to medium term so um Absolutely, the answer is yes. So we see even today in the software world, and of course, a lot of our users around the world, we see an increased demand in uh, data scientists or data analysts and different types of uh, um, professions or uh, not only, I don't even think it's a profession, but it's much more like a skill set around data analysis and understanding behavior or understanding demands of um, the final customer um, based on those uh, those skills. So we believe or we, we are seeing this trend of um, diversifying our skill sets. So if you look into projects like High Speed 2 today, you already see uh, a, an increased number of uh, different types of skill sets in the design process. So not only pure architecture and engineering, uh, but also bringing all these skill sets of data analysis, uh, consumer behavior analysis, um, uh, psychology, as we mentioned earlier in the call. So all of these uh, different uh, uh, skills are definitely going to be part of the future of planning, design and, and operation of different types of infrastructure. I do wonder whether it'll open up a whole new field of civil engineering. Um, Atkins has recently set up a task force to look at the use of public spaces. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Cameron? And do you think this will be a whole new focus of the industry as a whole? That's right, Claire. Following Atkins' contribution to the publication of the UK Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government's Safer Public Places Guidance, uh, we set up a team to work closely with local authorities to identify issues, interventions and processes to enable safe social distancing within urban centres, within transport hubs and green spaces, areas which are likely to you know, see high footfall. Now, some people are seeing an opportunity at the moment to promote active travel modes as, um, and the team is advising on funding options available to make necessary changes in this space, which uh, could include the widening of footways, uh, pop-up cycle lanes, um, social distancing signage and the implementation of, of vehicle speed limits. Uh, in Scotland, we've just developed with Sustrans Scotland a new guidance aimed at implementing temporary walking and cycling infrastructure. And last month, my colleagues in the Middle East authored a COVID-19 and transport white paper that explored challenges and opportunities for transport in the GCC countries that identified a need to assess how and in what form transport demand would recover across the modes and networks, together with associated issues such as uh, transport revenues and congestion, emissions and and even carbon footprint. So so Claire, look, there's a lot to think about just now, no doubt, and we as a company, uh, along with Bentley, are, are trying to position ourselves to be able to contribute to these important decisions around where the pandemic is taking us um, and, importantly, where we want uh, it to take us. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. There's been some really interesting insights in there into the current challenges that transport operators are facing, as well as some of the future challenges that we'll be dealing with too. I think it's going to be a fascinating time. Thank you. 
pleasure, Claire. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Rob. Thank you very much. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems. With digital technology changing the way the world lives, it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries. Bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our digital assessments. Work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace if possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going digital.